0: This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgement if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by Family Planning Victoria. FPV has been running for over 50 years now. We run a whole lot of education programs for communities and medical professionals across Victoria. We also run sexual health clinics in the city and Box Hill in Melbourne. My name is Anne and I'm part of the FPV Schools and Community team. We go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction and relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so that we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today, I'm going to be asking FPV doctor Lucy Donovan about medications to treat HIV. They're known as PEP and PREP. Parents and carers will be aware of the HIV-AIDS epidemic which peaked in the mid-1980s. It was an unknown, sinister, deadly disease that had an enormous impact on many communities, particularly the gay male community. A lot has changed since then. Advances in science and technology mean that those with access to medication can live long, healthy lives. There's also medication called PEP, which can be taken after potential exposure to protect against contracting the virus. Also, a daily medication called PrEP is available. This protects the person from contracting HIV. HIV is still in our community. It's still something we need to be alert to as a risk. Talking about PEP and PrEP is part of the safer sex discussion parents and carers could be having with the young people in their lives. It's something we would typically discuss in an upper secondary school class. So Lucy, thank you so much for talking to me today. We're going to talk about some medications to do with HIV. I'm going to start by spelling out some of the acronyms that we'll use throughout. So human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, is a sexually transmissible infection, STI, and a blood-borne virus, BBV untreated, HIV can lead to Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome or AIDS. So now that we've got all our acronyms, can you explain what a BBV is and how it's different to an STI?
1: Bloodborne virus is simply a type of virus that can be found in someone's blood. So the most well-known or bloodborne viruses that you've probably heard of would be HIV or hepatitis B or maybe hepatitis C. There are lots of others, but they're probably ones that you will have heard of before. These viruses can also be found in other bodily fluids apart from the blood. For example, you might be able to find them in breast milk, or you might be able to find them in semen. And they can be spread from one person to another person when someone comes in contact with a bodily fluid that contains the virus. On the other hand, sexually transmitted infections are infections that are spread from one person to another through a sexual act. So that infection could be on someone's skin or it could be in a genital secretion or it could be in blood. Some STIs that you might have heard of before would be chlamydia or gonorrhea, but there are lots of others. And some infections can be sometimes sexually transmitted infections, but mostly not. So they do overlap with other infections. In terms of HIV, it's a bloodborne virus, but also a sexual sexually transmitted infection. So someone could get HIV through um, a blood transfusion or through um, birth, and that Mm. would be not a sexually transmitted infection in that at that point in time, but if it was acquired through a sexual act through sex, then it would be a sexually transmitted infection in that case.
0: I understand that HIV infection rates peaked in the 1980s. What are the rates in Australia and internationally now?
1: So um, Australia has very low rates of HIV and we'd say that out of all adults in Australia, about 0.14% of people would be living with HIV but there would be slightly higher rates uh, amongst gay and bisexual men. And again, that, that would be different from state to state. But overall, you're looking at about a rate of 7.9%. This is a, you know, a massive contrast to what we see in the rest of the world. So the figures, sort of globally, we estimate that about thirty six point nine million people are living with HIV at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and one UNAIDS report said that about six thousand young women, aged between fifteen and twenty four, become infected with HIV every week. So mm-hmm. the epidemic is very different in different countries, um, and some of the sort of highest rates are seen in sub Saharan Africa. So. For example, in a small country like Lesotho, which is um, in South Africa, it's a separate country though, their HIV prevalence is twenty three point six percent, which is huge. And, and if you look at some smaller populations or even within some age groups, the rates can be as high as 50 percent, so wow. yeah Australia's so doing we have really a well
0: situation in Australia.: Yeah. If someone does have HIV, what sort of medication do they get?
1: Yeah. So again, in terms of this answer, um, again, we're really lucky. Uh, If someone was diagnosed with HIV today, they would most likely be started on a tablet medication and they'd most likely just need to take one tablet once a day. Um, That would be for the rest of their life or until a cure is found. There are lots of other medications that are being developed at the moment and some medications that are being looked into are some injectables where people might need to just have an injection once every couple of months but at the moment um, most people would be taking I'd say one tablet once a day there might be some people who need to take two tablets a day or a couple of tablets a day
0: and the tablet reduces the viral load in their body is that right
1: yeah so the tablets contain at least well it just keeps changing but it would either contain two three maybe four different medications and it It keeps the virus so well under control that in most cases, we can't actually even detect the virus in someone's blood anymore. And that means that in a lot of cases, if someone is undetectable, they actually are untransmissible. So they can't actually transmit the virus through sex.
0: And their body would stay healthy.
1: Yeah. And so we'd expect Mm. that person to have a completely normal life expectancy and to live like anyone else.
0: Mm, That's amazing. Pep and PrEP are medications designed to prevent a person from contracting HIV and they work in different ways. Can you
1: explain what PEP and PREP stand for and how they work? PEP is post-exposure prophylaxis and PREP is pre-exposure prophylaxis. So what they mean or they... They are, they're talking about a way of taking an anti-HIV medication that can be taken pre, before a potential exposure or post, meaning medications taken after a potential exposure. And the aim is to reduce the transmissions of HIV by taking the medication. So the way that post-exposure prophylaxis or PEP is taken at the moment is in a tablet form. So it means that if someone thought they might have been exposed to HIV, they would start taking a tablet medication. It would need to be taken within 72 hours or three days of the potential exposure and that person would take tablets for 28 days. That tablet would contain usually two but sometimes three anti-HIV medications depending on what the exposure was. The medication would work by preventing the virus from being able to replicate in the cells. And if the virus can't replicate, it can't cause an infection.
0: And to we, me, that we, sounds we, kind of like the concept of emergency contraception. Exactly.
1: Yeah, so it's quite similar to that.
0: And PrEP is um, medication before exposure.
1: Yeah, so, so PrEP would be when the medication's already on board, already in the body before the exposure occurs.
0: Uh, if someone's under 18 can they access those medications
1: It's a tricky one So at the moment prep is on the PBS or it's subsidized by the government but in the criteria for prescribing prep it does state that a person needs to be 18 or over What that means is that to receive the subsidy and get the medication affordably it is I sort of it's been marketed or it's been given approval for people who are adults. The medication that we use for PrEP is approved in the United States for anyone who's over 35 kilos. It's safe for people who to, t- to take if they're under 18. If you are under 18 and you think you should be on PrEP, your doctor can apply to have a special access scheme for you so that you can access the medication but it's not then going to be on the PBS, so it might be quite expensive. I think this needs to be changed. I really hope it is changed soon because it should be something that's available to anyone who might be at risk of HIV. And it's certainly
0: something that young people, when we go into schools, they're interested in, the idea of it. So certainly education about it is the first step to being able to ask for it in the first place.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it can be imported. Um, so before PrEP was on the PBS, which was in, I think, April 2018, um, a lot of people were imp- self-importing it. So that's mm-hmm. something that could be looked into on a sort of case-by-case basis.
0: So what could parents and carers be telling their young people about bloodborne viruses, including
1: HIV, and safer sex practices? Um, so I guess the information that would be good to, for young people to know is that you know, there are infections that you can pick up from having sex and there are lots of things that you can put in place to try and reduce those risks. Fortunately for Australians, if someone does have HIV, it's completely treatable. So it's something that you would have a normal life expectancy with. It's not the end of the world. Ideally, though, we like to prevent people having infections if possible. So if you ever think you might have been exposed to HIV, try and get some medical advice within that 72 hours so that you can get some treatment. And if you think you might be at ongoing risk, then speak to your doctor about um, if you could access PrEP. There's some really good websites as well for information about PrEP in particular or or PEP, and that's pan.org.au. That has some really good information on it.
0: Great. I'll add that into the show notes at the end of the episode. Um, Lucy, thank you so much for talking to me. That's been really helpful uh, and something definitely to, for parents to talk to their young people about. So thank you. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Lucy for talking me through all that information about HIV, including PEP and PrEP medications. I'm just going to pull out a couple of things that stood out to me in that discussion. HIV is treatable to the point that those on medication can have an undetectable viral load in their body. PEP is kind of like an emergency contraception for suspected HIV contact taken soon after potential exposure. PrEP is a medication taken daily prior to potential exposure to HIV, protecting that person from contracting HIV. For more information about FPV, you can go to fpv.org.au. Here you will find lots of information about STIs, bloodborne viruses, including HIV, PEP, and PrEP. Lucy mentioned an organisation called pan.org.au. I'll link to that in the show notes. They have lots of information about PrEP, including links to community groups. You can follow FPV on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Contact me directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Like it if you like it. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.